0: You're listening to the yoga teacher resource podcast, knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, yoga teacher. Today's episode is an on-air coaching call where I take a fellow yoga teacher through a mini strategy session. These on-air coaching calls are a great way to get a taste of what it's like to work with me one-on-one, but they're also a fascinating peek into the brain and business of other yoga teachers. The teachers who participate are incredibly generous and brave to allow me to share their experience, their stories on the podcast, and I have so much respect for each of them. If you would like my help with your teaching or your yoga business, I'd love to connect with you. You can find out more about my paid strategy sessions at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. You can also get peer help from other listeners on the Yoga Teacher Resource Facebook group. If you're not a member yet, go to teachingyoga.net slash join. You can pause and do that right now so you don't forget. And when you get back, we'll jump
1: right into today's call. By the way, I love your podcasts. I mean, they. I am so glad. I, I, I don't even remember how I happened to come across you. I think you were talking on another podcast, MBM. And then I just started listening to all your podcasts. And I just started the last one you put out, I guess, this morning. And I uh, just started that one. But I love them. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're just very inspiring. And uh, you articulate everything so well. So it's it's really nice.
0: So how can I help you today? What would you most like to focus on?
1: Um, Well, being a new yoga teacher, um, although I've practiced yoga for a very long time on and off, I'm uh, a little concerned that because of my age, being I I became a yoga teacher at fifty-five, I don't want to. I want to have a focus. I want to find my niche. I don't feel I have enough time to uh, explore. Uh, But I want to find something that I love, a group of people that I love to teach. And I think I know who they are. Uh, It's just finding how to appeal to them. And being a new teacher, I feel that, you know, maybe that's that whole imposter syndrome, which I learned through you. You know, I feel I am not ready as a teacher Mm. because I'm new, although I have so much to bring and offer. Because yoga is not just about postures. It's about the whole spiritual and the emotional aspect as well, which I I have a lot to offer in that respect.
0: What's the feedback you get from your students?
1: They love my class. Uh, they just say they love my class. I get the feeling they love more the spiritual part, which uh, I'm glad because I, I want to uh, everyone to leave with that really takeaway. away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel I'm doing something right, uh, although I don't know where I can improve or change, or, and I also feel that uh, sometimes I get tripped up, as far as my confidence is concerned, when someone comes to class that maybe does, like, I teach a very beginner's type, or maybe they're more power, and maybe I know that their energy is just expecting something different, and, and then I get tripped up, you know, that, that, that confidence just starts to, uh, and then I, I, but I know it's ego, so I'm working on that, that, that aspect.
0: Yeah, so I've, of course, experienced exactly what you're talking about. You show up to class, and you're expecting your group, and then there's somebody there, and you can just tell, and maybe you're projecting, because sometimes it's not actually even true, right? Sometimes that person after class comes up to you and is like, I love that class. Oh, my God, it was so great. And you hear a little bit of their story, and it's like, oh, that was the story I made up in my head because that person is thin or because that person is young or whatever it is. So. right but I totally understand that experience and it's disconcerting and it kind of throws you off your, <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> it throws yeah. you
0: center. And I think it's good to talk about it. I think it's good to have a format to, to explore it and to acknowledge, wow, I was thrown off by that. And There is no way for us to please everyone or be the right yoga teacher for everyone. Good point. So it is okay for somebody to not get what they were expecting out of your class. Okay. If you have a clear intention for your class, it's more in integrity for you to just teach exactly your intention, look at the faces of the students that you know came for what you're teaching, And allow your, these other humans who came to your class, and we don't know what their story is, allow them to have whatever experience they're going to have. You have teenagers. I do. Like I do. Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever noticed, have you ever had the experience that your teenagers often will project onto you? Like you said something that thought was pretty innocuous and all of a sudden they have a story about what that means Mm -hmm. and and how you should have been different well it's the exact same thing as a parent you know i think most of us know that it's our job to stay in our center and to say well it doesn't matter you're allowed to project onto me but i don't need to leave my center i don't need to engage in this drama and start yelling back at you just because you had an emotional reaction. You're allowed to have your emotions. You're allowed to have your reactions. And I get to stay in center. And so I would say in a yoga class, it's the exact same thing where when you notice that you're off center, it's like this little trigger of attention. Pay attention to me. Something's going on here. There's, there's an opportunity here. Oh my gosh. Okay. Here's the story. How do I come back to center? What is my plan and my ritual for coming back to center at that time so you know this happens you know it's going to happen because it's a really common normal experience have a plan right for bringing yourself back and remembering this is an example of what could be a plan take a moment sit there close your eyes and remember who you're there to serve and what your deepest intention is for teaching connect to that then open your eyes and start teaching.
1: Okay that's great that's a great uh, that's a great exercise actually.
0: Yeah I mean and there's lots of different ways you could do it. you can personalize it in any any way that you know is going to help you remember what's actually important here, which is not that everybody's happy or everybody's pleased with you or everybody likes you. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Right. That's, that's the part, part I'm working in is that whole part of, of, uh, wanting to be accepted and, and that validation that I'm, I'm really working on separately outside of yoga. Um, it's just, you know, it's old energy that I am trying to let go of. And, 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 and this forces me to this, that, this scenario that, I just explained to you, which ironically happened this past week, which was very appropriate because I'm talking to you about it. So it was very synchronistic. But yeah, I, I need to come up with like a trigger or a way of, of centering myself and detaching from that ego-based emotion that comes up.
0: Yeah, think of the emotion as the trigger. When you notice the feeling of anxiety or fear around not pleasing people. Mm. That's your trigger to do your ritual. That's your trigger to do your, I consider that self-care. That's a self-care moment.
1: Right, 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 right.
0: I'm curious, what do you do when your teenagers have that experience of not being pleased with you? How do you? Well,
1: I have to say it doesn't come up often. I have boys, so they're very mellow. Um, I'm hoping that it's from uh, raising them in a very spiritual-like environment. (laughs) <laughs> um, that they've learned to, um, process things. Uh, I actually want them to come out at me more to express themselves and not hold things in. So I'm working on that, but I, I pretty much just have a conversation with them. I, I don't react. Um, I, cause I want them to express any emotion in the safe environment that they are with me before they take it out into the world.
0: Do you ever have the urge to react?
1: Oh, of course. I'm Italian. I react. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So what is it that allows you that awareness in that moment of noticing, I want to react and I, I'm not going to?
1: I, I just think it's just taking a breath uh, and, and just centering myself, really. Um,
0: Do you think on some level you're remembering what your deepest intention as a parent, as is a parent. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: So I think it's the same in your class. Okay. What's, why are you actually here?
1: And I have to, I have to say that so far I'm very pleased with the, the way things have been going. Um, There was some growth period after learn, uh, becoming a teacher and um, as is starting any new career because it's not easy to be, have, have a practice for so long and really transfer the skills. But I know I'm a teacher by nature, so that I was really kind of, and I really immersed myself in my classes and learn and, and really trying to be trying to be the best teacher I can be uh, on all levels, you know, just not uh, cueing the, the body and, and all that, but also just bringing a different more spiritual awareness because when I started coming back to the practice, I noticed a lot of that was missing I, where I started yoga 20 years ago or 25 years ago, there was more of a spiritual aspect and now it's more power yoga and, and all that. And you, one of your last podcasts talked about that, that seems to be the growing trend, right? And there's an, a saturation of that where I'm trying to hone in on more of I I don't know, just a balanced, approach to my classes.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a growing trend. I would say that it's a trend that's reached its peak and there's actually other types of yoga that are more growing Mm -hmm. at at this point. In a way, even though it can seem like a lot of people expect power yoga, but there's so much of it out there already, I would rather be in a niche of something else where you can be exploring a less commonly seen type of yoga, I think that's much more interesting and much more exciting.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm, uh, the power yoga doesn't resonate with me. My true intention has been to appeal to individuals who've never taken yoga, who at an age maybe they're my age or younger, even or older, who I want to introduce yoga to so that they're they start to feel good and like I said yoga not just the postures but the whole aspect of it because I think that they're missing out maybe there was a timing for them or um, a a lack of confidence in approaching yoga so that is really where I want to focus the areas of, of my focuses
0: and you said in the intake form that you filled out that you wanna focus on women who have spent their entire lives taking care of others. Yes. And there does come a point in life where for most women, most caregiving women, that the majority of the people that they were spending their time caregiving don't need them anymore or don't need them as much. Right. And so I think there's this really Common pattern where women are focused on giving, 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 taking care, taking care, taking care, and then a space is opened up in their lives. And when that space is opened up, you know, sometimes we call it the empty nest syndrome. It's not like it's not necessarily like this joyous space. It could be that way. I hope it's that way for me. It's a yeah, me too. Way. It's <laughs> a long way off for me. I have, I have a three and a half year old and a teenager. So, but I, I will have a partially empty nest soon. Yeah. And, and I hope that that's a joyful experience. But for what we hear, I haven't experienced it yet, but what I hear is that for many women, there's this very deep sadness and this emptiness and probably this realization of maybe I should have focused on myself a little bit more over the past two or three decades or four decades, or however long it takes. So... I think that is a really rich, ripe time to meet people at, mm-hmm. meet women at.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, and I see that most of the people coming to my class are in that area of their life or maybe they didn't have kids and even so, and they've spent their life in their career. And, mm. and maybe it's not a physical person, but it's a physical thing, right. a career. Uh, and now they're retired and they need something to do or something to focus on. But I, I do want to um, appeal to that group of the, that market. And I don't want to say market because market seems so like business-like and it's not my intention because uh, I'm not in this for for <laughs> to become rich and famous. I'm here to really make a difference in somebody's life. So that's where I am. And I'm, and I'm hoping that I'm going down the right path as far as how I'm approaching it. Um, but as far as also like... What do I do to develop as a teacher, in order to make myself a better teacher? Like, what you know? I mean, so I know your background is, or you've had a an interest in anatomy, right? Mm-hmm. So that's huge. Not so much for me. I like it. I know it's a part of the yoga. I don't feel like I need to spend years uncovering the details of of anatomy. But is there something else that, or some other type of training, that I can use to Uh, incorporate in my classes for this quote-unquote market lack of a better word
0: are you talking about anatomy specifically or
1: no I'm talking about any other type of training is it restorative is it like I do yin is a big part of my training I I fell into that because I didn't fall into it after my initial 200 hours I immediately thought wow yin seems to be something that I Feel intuitively is going to be really good for people who do power yoga or CrossFit, and now you know, and men who want to stretch because that's what they feel yoga is about stretching. So I took extra training, and now I see that that's a big part of my my teaching, my classes. It's more the yin type. Do I you know learn more about that, and or gentle, and you know. I need a focus. I, I, I feel like I need to learn more as a teacher, and I need a focus. Uh, and anatomy is not really a favorite.
0: Yeah, okay. So let me ask you a few questions. Mm-hmm. When you say that you're not in this to become rich and famous, I get that totally, but what are your intentions and your expectations around supporting yourself as a yoga teacher?
1: That's a good question. I don't think I ever really about that.
0: How do you support yourself now?
1: Well, my husband supports us financially. Uh, I think one of the reasons why I I am doing yoga is once again to reach out to the people who um, I can make a difference in their lives. Uh, More like a coaching. I'm also a Reiki master. I've had a lot of experiences in my life that have taught me or I've learned tools to get me through challenges um, but as far as you're talking more about like a financial support or
0: what's your intention for why why do you want this business is it purely altruistic do you want to start a nonprofit, or are you wanting to be more comfortable you know do you want do you want it to supplement your husband's income so that some of the stress is relieved. I don't know if you have financial stress, maybe it's like incredibly abundant and you, and you really do want this just to be altruistic, but help me understand okay. what your level of commitment is to this as a business. Cause you're talking about it in business terms. You're asking questions, you know, niche, this is a business thing. If you, and, and I hear that it's also a focus thing and that's Lovely. And we can get into that separately. But I want to understand first so that I can give you personalized advice how much of this is going to be a business and how much is just personal development and altruism?
1: Okay. So it is, it is. Thank you for, for putting it in that perspective. Yes, I do want it to be a business. Uh, I, I, I have volunteered a lot of my time in the past to help others. And I think it's time now that the energy, there's an energy exchange. Um, I come from a corporate background where I was making a lot of money and that stopped when I had the children. And there were struggles financially because my husband was supporting us. I didn't expect to have twins and I wound up having twins. So I went back to real estate for a long time and I did that, but that wasn't something that resonated with me, even though it was a lot of money. It was good money, not a lot. So, yes, I do want to supplement. I want us to be able to travel. So I'm focusing my goal on making money in this uh, career so that my family and I can travel and have that experience with my children before they leave and are not around to do that with me. Um, so, yes, I do, I do want to feel um, that I am supporting myself. And if something did happen where I couldn't, my husband wasn't around or for whatever reason, uh, that I am able to support myself in some way. So I do have that business mindset that that always, you know, trying to um, be independent. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Okay. You have two separate questions about focus. One is, who should I focus on? What is my niche, basically? Right. Which we've we've already kind of discussed, and well, it's almost like you're just wanting me to validate that niche because it sounds like you already know.
1: I guess. I guess. Yeah. I. I, I suppose. There, there's that val- that need to be validated because I'm so new and I I don't I'm, I don't have a, a mentor uh-huh. and I don't know if new teachers have mentors. Um, so yes, maybe I am asking for validation and yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, because uh, you know I don't want to be like a, a fish swimming and I'm like I don't know where I'm going. I, I need that focus and that validation because as I said, you know I'm at this stage of my life. I'm just starting this job. I don't want to waste my time trying to capture another niche.
0: I hear you. I understand. I think your niche is brilliant. I think it's perfect. It, it fits you and it's what you're drawn to. And I think that there is some power. It's like a transition state. It's a really potent time of life. I think it's perfect. Okay. I think new teachers absolutely should have mentors if at all possible. And this is a conversation that's happening world around the yoga industry right now there's a lot of discussion around this as the yoga alliance is updating their standards one of the big things i think this came from their from their survey that they did mm. is that people are saying once yoga teachers graduate from their teacher training they need to not just be dropped out into the world and kind of just figure things out on their own that's the moment that they really need one-on-one personalized support so I would highly recommend seeking that out for sure, because we all need somebody to check in with and say, is this idea crazy? What should I focus on next? You know, that? I mean, I think that's why you reached out to me, because you mm-hmm. could feel the pull for that kind of a relationship. Right. So on the niche front, I think you're, you're really close. In general, most people can keep looking to narrow and narrow and narrow, which can be scary. Because in the form that you filled out for me, for example, you're like, I want to focus on these women, these empty nesters, oh, and athletes.
1: <laughs> well, right. It, it's it's uh, right, to broad end of this. But, but yes, I, I think I said athletes because I think that they may not be incorporating yoga in their life. So people who need yoga from whatever perspective, maybe that never did yoga before, it's probably where they fall into
0: But you can't help everyone and you can't save everyone. True. So if you really want to focus on both of those groups, I would combine them. I would say athletic empty nesters.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 That's brilliant.
0: So that's more narrow. And so that's great. And you even live, I believe, in a pretty densely populated area. I do. So there should be plenty of athletic empty nesters.
1: But uh, to your point, of to, to that niche, uh, I would feel then, thinking about this in retrospect, that anatomy would be a bit, very big part of that. Because being athletic, they probably wind up having a lot of injuries where you know, maybe my knowledge for, of anatomy is lacking now. So that's probably, you know, I guess you just have to. I just would have to be very careful on how to approach that. I think it's fabulous, and I think I can, I can use the yin aspect for that. You know, where where you know athletes are more of a yang. It's more of a yang practice where yin is more, of course, you know, different and complementary. Yes, um, and, and work on that niche with that.
0: And even more so. I think any time that you're going to focus on a physical practice, you need to know anatomy. But what I'm hearing from you is that you're actually more interested in the mental and emotional aspects of yoga. Mm -hmm. And in that case, knowing anatomy is less important. Right. Especially if you offer a slow-moving practice, which yin is. And you offer a lot of space for people to find their own way in and to explore the shapes more somatically rather than goal-oriented
1: way. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, I will say that with this population, there may be a disconnect between what you see they need and what they think they need. Okay. Okay. So finding the overlap and the language to connect with them, to entice them and invite them into this slower practice and into this non-goal oriented practice, that's a challenge that might take some time to figure Mm -hmm. out. And this this is where market research comes in. You have this population of people that you feel called to work with. But you don't necessarily understand them yet on a very deep level. Now, you understand them on some level because I, I'm imagining that you must be athletic. Mm-hmm. And you're not quite an empty nester yet, but you can see that in your pretty near future. Right. The market research comes in where you find actual human beings who fit this description and you sit down and you have conversations with them, you uncover what it is that they think they need help with. Okay. Because what you think they need help with might be true. It might be more accurate than what they think they need help with, but it's not going to help you get them in the door. You need to understand what they need, what they believe they need help with and what they believe they need help with so much that they're willing to overcome inertia <laughs> to actually mm-hmm. take action.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So how does that sound to you to find some people to have conversations with?
1: I mean, it sounds good. I, I think the first group of people that I feel com- more drawn to is the, uh, the typical n- empty, es- net- empty nesters is probably something that I can immediately start to focus on. And this athletic empty nesters would be, and I'm not saying empty nesters aren't athletic, mm-hmm. but um, maybe the um, athletic empty nesters are just another group okay. that I need to, you know, f- change the approach. Okay.
0: So I would start then. It sounds like you're more drawn to not necessarily focusing on the athletes, but as a more a more general group of just empty nesters and that's great and beautiful and i would advise you at this time not to spend a lot of energy dividing yourself into two niches but to really explore this one niche and be open to it getting narrower so for example if you were to find in your conversations with empty nesters that oh my gosh the people that you really have the best conversations with are athletic or the people that you have the best conversations with are the ones who never were athletic. And that's part of their life story is that they've never been in their body.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or any other common theme that helps you to understand who it is that you're really drawn to. Okay.
1: That makes that makes sense.
0: Do you want to take on a project of having some conversations?
1: With uh, the... With, uh students?
0: With anybody who's an empty nester.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I would. And have, did you listen
0: to my podcast episode about the foundations of a yoga business?
1: Y- yeah, I probably did that. It was an earlier episode. Am I correct?
0: It was just a couple months ago.
1: Oh, a couple months ago. Yeah. I've been going through your, uh, most of, uh, almost all of them. Yes.
0: One of the most overlooked, parts of starting a business is market research. And that's part of why I asked you about how much of this do you, how much do you want to focus on this as a business? Because that helps me understand how much to guide you in business principles. And so to have these conversations with people, to truly understand the hopes, fears, and desires of your customers is is the step that I think most entrepreneurs skip. Mm -hmm. So that's the place that I would really begin as far as the business development
1: goes. Okay, that makes sense, yeah.
0: I've been in business for a really long time and because I was a yoga teacher and I never, until a few years ago, I never took any business training, I didn't even have any awareness that this would be a step. But Mm -hmm. once I got educated, I had a hundred conversations with yoga teachers in over the course of about four months. So that was a pretty big project, but it was the foundation of this podcast and it was the foundation of everything that I've been doing since then. And I continue to be in conversation with my clients and with my potential clients to try to understand these key pieces about them they it sounds a little bit cheesy but it's their hopes their dreams their fears and their anxieties because these are the emotions that drive us to take action right. whether it is kind of on the negative side of i'm afraid something's going to happen or i'm i'm uncomfortable and i want to get out of pain or out of discomfort that will drive us to take action Or on the positive side, I have a vision, I have a dream, I want to create something, I want to achieve something that will drive us to take action. So that's what we really need to understand about our clients.
1: Their motivation.
0: Yeah, what motivates them, what drives them. When I do um, coaching packages with yoga teachers, one of the things that we work together to uncover is what emotion Drives that individual most. Mm-hmm. Some people are driven by anxiety. Some people are driven by joy. Some people are driven by a feeling of accomplishment. So, when we understand what drives people to take action, and even if somebody's driven by anxiety, I usually keep digging to see what positive emotion drives them because that's what we want to generate, that's where we want to work from. So that as we keep working together, that we make sure that we're creating that emotion in on a regular basis, so that it's not just kind of trying to come from a logical Mm -hmm. perspective, but that we use the way that people work on an emotional level to help them achieve what they want to achieve. Right. So you will do that too. And I know that you'll develop your skill in doing that more and more over time because that's your focus. That's your, mm-hmm. where your passion lies in the yoga.
1: It's very interesting that you mentioned that because I keep asking myself, how do I survey my clients or how do I survey students to see what they need, what, what they want changed in the way I teach or the studio that I teach at? So I'm, and, and I'm stuck because I don't know how. Like, you don't want to stop a person. Hey, how did I do? Did you like that class? You want to fill out a survey. You really can't. But at the same time, I'm interested in learning what it is that they want for their practice so that I can help them. I can make the changes I need or, or learn different tools. And then you mentioned the market research. So that makes total sense to me. It's just how to approach that. So... Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think surveys are great. I think that they are a little bit more limited in their usefulness as far as how much time are people going to take on the survey and how honest are they going to be. Right. That's why the one-to-one conversation, best is even in person, where you're looking in each other's eyes and they can really explain in detail the motivations and the reasonings behind their answers. And the easiest way to do that is to... Well, there's, there's a couple ways, but with your current students, yeah, you do stop them after class and you say, hey, I want, I want you to know that I really enjoy having you in my class. And it's such a pleasure that I'm wondering if you'd be open to getting together for tea sometime so I can pick your brain a little bit and figure out how to get more people like you into my class.
1: Right. I remember you saying that at another podcast. Yes.
0: Because everybody likes to be liked. <laughs>
1: Not all teachers are genuinely interested in, in making the changes or to, to better their, their, uh, their classes for others, and, and I want to. Maybe it's because of who I am, not just because I'm a new teacher, but because I really want to incorporate what the students want and, and do the best for the, the class
0: yeah, that I'm teaching. Yeah, and, and be prepared that they may not have strong opinions. Mm-hmm. They come and they're looking to you to be the leader. So they like the class well enough, and they don't really think about it afterwards. They don't think like, oh gosh, I really wish Rose would have spent more time in yin, or like, you know what I'm saying? Like they come right. to the experience, they enjoy the experience, they go home, and they live their lives. Right. So depending on the person now, there are some people who have lots of opinions about everything, and then you have to take them with a grain of salt because they might not be representative of everybody else. Correct. But the people that you really enjoy teaching, chances are good that they're mostly just going to say, "Yeah, I just really love your class." And they might be like, oh, "I really like hip openers or something." Yes. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you can you might not get a ton of feedback about how to teach your class you'll probably get better feedback if you ask another yoga teacher to come to your class and give you feedback.
1: Yes, and we and we do that, uh, or I do that. If another teacher does come to class, I am always open to feedback. I always tell everyone I am open to feedback, all my students, and I've yet to have a student come back to me, but uh, I guess, like you say, they just want to come and i do it a good job and they go home feeling really good and, and they come back. So that's right. Yeah. It shows that they like coming to the class.
0: And there's this thing with yoga teachers, we overthink our classes. We, yes. re- we think we just think so much about our classes and we think about every detail and the students that are there, they're just not, they're not paying attention to the things that we're paying attention to. And I'm going to bring it back to the teenagers again. It's like my house, I notice everything that's out of place. And my 16-year-old, she does not. She just doesn't notice. You know, she yesterday she left an empty ketchup bottle in the sink and she went, to her dad's. And then she comes home and she's doing other things and the empty ketchup bottle still in the sink. I didn't clean it up. I'm like waiting and yes. watching, like it, it <laughs> to clean this up. And she just doesn't notice. Yeah. And so this is the exact same thing. It's not, there's no maliciousness about it. She just has different priorities and she's not paying attention. And so our yoga students are generally not paying attention to 90% of the things that we agonized about. Right. when we planned our class.
1: Wow, you're so right. <laughs> and you're right about the teenager thing as well. <laughs> and you're right, we over, I overthink. I want it to be so perfect, but then when I give up that perception of being perfect, it things flow so much better. And mm-hmm. I, need to, I need to come back. I think as a new teacher, I need to, to not overthink and to learn to allow it to organically, I mean to plan, but organically allow the class to unfold.
0: And if you think about the teachers that you respect the most, that you go to their class and have a really profound experience, usually they're not micromanaging and overthinking, but they're really present Mm. with the students. It's that presence, that ability to be in the moment prepared for anything that draws us Mm -hmm. to a class. I think.
1: You're right. I want to be that the, the type of teacher that I first started my yoga practice with 25 years ago. It's it's who I was drawn to who what changed my life. And that I always want to go back. I always go back to that. That's who I want to be with. So uh, be like,
0: what was that teacher like?
1: Uh, she was just very calming and soothing and very genuine Uh, she didn't overthink things she lots of of times she did the same thing every week and it didn't matter you know Um, she uh, introduced us to a lot of different things like just ayurveda and you know neti pot you know just things that were new at the time now everything's we, we know a lot about more now than 25 years ago. But she just made a, a, a very big impact in my life at the time when I needed somebody really the most. And I, I want to be just like her, or a lot like her.
0: Your own version of yeah.
1: My own version of her, correct, yeah.
0: So that kind of leads us back to this question about what else should you study? What else should you focus on as far as to improve your teaching. The most important way that you'll improve your teaching is what we just talked about, is to get out of your own way, be present with your students, watch your students learn from them. You won't get a ton of verbal feedback from them, but you can learn a lot with nonverbal feedback, watching Mm -hmm. them, watching them grow, watching them unfold, watching them contract sometimes, watching them struggle. Other than that, I would focus on what gets you inspired. So rather than thinking in a logical way, well, what adjunct skill set do I need to complete my toolbox so that I can be this (laughs) competent teacher? Because we all want to be competent. Right. Remember that this is a giving, caring, career, vocation, and it's important to keep replenishing yourself.
1: Okay,
0: So focus on what is exciting to you. What makes you feel inspired to then go out and use that and share that, or even just to know it and, and have it for yourself. That's what I would focus on for your, any, any additional trainings. Don't think you never need an additional training or certification if you truly understand your the needs, fears, challenges, and desires of your students, and you're able to help them with that, then you don't need anything else. Okay. Perhaps you'll learn in your market research about a challenge that they have that you don't feel qualified to help them with, but you feel inspired to, then that would mm-hmm. be the place to go for your training. Okay, that would be a path, but it's also totally valid to just do what is fun for you. Okay, focus on what's fun. Well, if you burn yourself out, if you overthink and over plan and try, 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 and learn things because you think you should or you're supposed to learn things and you rob the joy out of the teaching, then you're not going to have the juice left to share with your students.
1: That's very um, synchronistic with other messages I'm getting from just different sources, just to kind of be and, you know, relax and rest, not to a point where I'm not doing anything, but don't overdo. Mm. Mm -hmm. So it really kind of validates what I've been hearing. Um, So, yeah, thank you for that.
0: The other thing I would focus on is a community of teachers and perhaps a mentorship relationship or a few mentorship relationships. Because I think that you can get more value in a one-on-one session where there's that direct transmission happening and the focus is exactly on where you are in that moment. And it can, it can follow your passions, it can follow where you are, what you're challenged with, rather than trying to meet the needs of a group all at once and have this set curriculum. Not that there's anything wrong with taking a workshop or taking a training when it's taken especially when it's taken either to fill a gap that you see that you really feel inspired to help your students with or when it's something that you just feel excited to learn Mm -hmm. but if you're just thinking okay how can i improve my teaching i would look for a one-on-one mentorship relationship
1: okay i do have one other question and it kind of came to me um i've i've had a lot of personal experiences breast cancer survivor, issues with my twins, how do I incorporate some of these personal antidotes into my class without sounding as if the focus is on me? Um, Like, how do I talk about like, okay, my survivorship or, you know, whatever, twin birthing or whatever the issue is without, yeah, without sounding like, hey, you know, Rose is talking about herself now.
0: Why do you want to talk about these things?
1: Because I feel that um, I've, well, it's not really more about the survivorship. It's more about the tools that I had that got me through certain challenges in my life, whether it's the, the early death of my mother or uh, uh, relationship breakups. You know, there were things that, you know, like yoga was an instrumental part or uh, Reiki or whatever it is. Um, I just want to be able to tell people that, hey, you know, you have these, all these tools available to you. And if you do come across any challenges in your life, you can use these tools. Uh, making, you know, maybe, bringing, maybe it's bringing in awareness. Maybe people don't know about some of these things. Meditation.
0: The way that I would frame the story is always with a practical example. Mm-hmm. So rather than just saying, yoga helped me with this, here is how yoga helped me with this. And here's a way that you could do it too.
1: Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense.
0: And also remember that people love to hear your story. People love to know that the person who's teaching them is a real person. Mm -hmm. And if you're telling your story and you're feeling afraid of, coming off as, you know, just self-indulgent, then it's going to be harder for people to connect with you. But if you think of, remember that telling your story is a gift and that the reason that you're telling your story is to offer this gift, this transmission of what worked for you to your students, hopefully that will help you let go of the self-consciousness around it and, and focus on what's that, what's one takeaway, what's something that they can take away from this story and apply to their own life.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes.
0: Good. So is there anything else that you would like some clarification on or anything that came up today that you feel you need a little bit more detail about?
1: I just think that this was very clear. Uh, You brought a lot of clarity to uh, the questions that I've had, Um, so I really appreciate that. I I would like to maybe um, learn a little bit more about the market research. Maybe we could talk at some point on how to kind of figure that out, how to approach um, or how to expand my uh, student base, you know, based on my area of interest or the niche. Because I do want this to be a business. I don't want this to just be, hey, I'm going to class and then, you know, just – taking my money and then just doing it and it becomes just boring after a while. I don't want that. I want to be able to grow along with being a yoga teacher. And I know that even though I am in, you know, you, you mentioned the other day in a podcast or I was listening to that, you know, we need more yoga teachers that are older and my age doesn't stop me from changing careers because I know that I'm going to add value. Yeah. Uh, so, I want to, um, you know, I want to grow as a teacher and to expand my my clientele. Yeah. To have it as a business, but also come from a very authentic place. Never want to lose that authenticity. That's really important to me.
0: Yeah. Well, obviously the conversation around growing your client base is kind of a bigger conversation that we don't have time to right. dive fully into today. But one note that I made during our talk so far is what if you took your empty nester clients on transformational retreats Mm. so that you can combine your traveling and your desire to travel with your teaching and helping your clients. Mm. And so that's a bigger, a bigger level offer. And it's a place where you could apply a lot of different types of teaching into the retreat. So there could be some more active yoga practices. There could be some more quiet practices. There could be meditation. There could be journaling, small group type of exploration work. And there would probably be community building and commiseration involved with that too.
1: I love that idea. I think it's a little daunting because I know planning something to that extent, but it could be local. It could be something in New Jersey just maybe a few hours away or an hour away at a place that we are just kind of focusing on ourselves. So that, you know, that's, I love that idea.
0: I think it's smart to, to start small. You could even start with a one day mini retreat where there's no food or lodging or anything like that involved, mm-hmm. where it's just a day and there's several different components to the day. And you it. go to a restaurant for lunch in the middle.
1: That's a great idea. I really love that.
0: Well, eventually it could, you know, the idea would be to have it eventually be far off. And, you know, you don't have to do all that planning yourself because there's retreat centers that take care of everything for you. They take care of the booking, they take care of the meals, they take care of the lodging, and all you have to come up with is the people and the curriculum. Right. So that's a little bit more realistic.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea actually. I love that. And then empty and, and and if we think about the market niche, the empty nesters really don't have anybody else to worry about except themselves.
0: Right, and they might have a little bit more disposable income. Right. And they might be like you thinking I want to travel more. So here's a great opportunity for them to travel in a way that's very safe and contained and is maybe a baby step into traveling
1: wow it's a great idea thank you yeah yeah
0: well rose it was such a pleasure meeting you today thank you so much for letting me record this and share it with the podcast audience
1: thank you this was so inspirational i i truly appreciate your time and inviting me on the show thank you so much
0: it's my pleasure Thank you again to the generous and courageous yoga teachers who participate in these coaching calls. I've had so many listeners reach out to let me know how helpful they are, and that would not be possible without the passion and vulnerability that you embody. And thank you also to each of you who listen all the way to the end, and most especially to those of you who leave reviews and who reach out to me to let me know that the podcast has impacted you and helped you. I'm grateful to get to support you and your teaching through the podcast, through workshops, trainings, and one-on-one strategy sessions. If you'd like to find out more about working with me one-on-one, you can do that at teachingyoga.net slash coaching. Until next week, just a friendly reminder to prioritize your personal practice And whatever you do, whatever works for you for self-care, so that you have the resources to be able to help others and be there for others. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week.